Section 43 of Stories from the Operas by Gladys Davidson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Wagner, Lohengrin. During the years of the 10th century, Henry the Fowler, King of Germany, gained great renown in all the countries of Europe, and by means of his courage and skill in warfare, had brought many fair cities and large tracts of land beneath his sway. Amongst these countries was Bourbon, over which he ruled as liege lord, and coming one day to Antwerp, the chief city of this fair land, to gather his faithful vassals together to help him fight against the wild Hungarians who had invaded his realms, he found them in a troubled state, since they were without a ruler, and their chiefs were quarrelling amongst each other. Some years ago, the brave Duke of Bourbon had died and left his two children in charge of his nearest kinsman, Count Frederick of Telramon, who promised to love and guard them until they were old enough to rule the dukedom for themselves. The boy, Gottfried, and his sister Elsa loved one another so dearly that they could not bear to be parted. But, happy though they were in each other's love, a great trouble fell upon them. As the years went on, Frederick of Telramund came under the evil influence of a princess of another powerful family of Bourbon, rivals for the throne of the late duke. This princess, whose name was Ortrud, was very unscrupulous, and a dealer in magic, and she had learned the arts of sorcery so well that it was her delight to change people into forms of animals, and to work all the mischief she could. She hated Elsa who had now grown up to be a sweet and beautiful maiden. And, determined to bring trouble upon her, she persuaded Telramund, with cunning words, that she herself was the rightful ruler of Bourbon, and that if he would marry her, they would rule the country together. Now Telramund wished to marry Elsa, whose hand had been promised to him by her father. But the pure and lovely Elsa only felt scorn for him, knowing him to be neither good nor worthy of her love. Then Altrun laid a wicked plot, by means of which she hoped to gain her ends. One day, when Elsa and Gottfried had gone into the forest to walk and talk together according to their usual custom, Ortrud, by her spells, caused them to wander apart from each other, and then, by further magic, she transformed Gottfried into a bird. Elsa wandered about for some time, searching for her brother, but at last returned to the palace, sad and alone. Then the wicked Ortrud came forward and declared that she had seen Elsa drown her brother in the moat of a ruined castle in the forest, and she soon persuaded Telramund that the maiden had indeed murdered the young Gottfried. So Telramund renounced the hand of Elsa and married Ortrud instead, and very soon afterwards he claimed the throne of Bourbon. The poor Princess Elsa was now very unhappy, full of grief for the loss of the brother she had loved so well, and in fear for her own safety. But one day she was comforted by a vivid and beautiful dream, as she was praying to heaven for help. In her dream she saw a splendid knight clad in silver armor, who looked upon her with eyes of love, and spoke such cheering words of hope that she no longer felt alone and helpless. When she awoke, she spoke of the noble champion who she now believed would come to protect her. But Telramund and Ortrud laughed with scorn, and declared this mysterious lover was but the partner in her evil deed, 
with whom she wished to share the throne. It was at this time that Henry the Fowler, liege lord of Bourbon, came to Antwerp to call for aid from his vassals, and hearing of the strife that was going on, he gathered the nobles together on the banks of the river Scheldt, and declared he would give a judgment in the matter that very day. When all the people were assembled on the riverside, Frederick of Telramund came forward and accused the princess Elsa of having murdered her brother in order to win the throne for herself, and then the king called upon Elsa to defend the charge made against her. When the royal maiden appeared with her ladies, pale and sad, she looked so fair and pure that all the people felt her to be innocent, and as they gazed upon her, almost with awe, she presently stood forth and sang a beautiful song, describing the noble knight she had seen in her dream, whom she felt would be her champion. These were the words she sang. I saw in splendor shining a knight of glorious mane, on me his eyes inclining with tranquil gaze serene, a horn of gold around him he leant upon his sword. Thus when I erst espied him, mid clouds of light he soared, his words so low and tender brought life renewed to me. My guardian, my defender, thou shalt my champion be. When the song came to an end, the king was so struck with Elsa's angelic look that he declared so evil a deed could never have been done by one whom heaven seemed to protect. On hearing this, Telramund grew angry, and announcing that he had spoken the truth, he challenged any man who doubted his word to fight with him. The king now determined that Elsa's innocence or guilt should thus be proved by a single combat, and calling upon her, to name a champion who should fight for her, he said that heaven alone should decide between them. If her champion gained the victory, she should be declared innocent, but if Count Telramon overcame, they would know that she was guilty. Elsa agreed to this, and said that her champion should be the noble knight of her dream, and then the king's herald blew a long, loud blast upon his trumpet, and cried out, Who will do battle for Elsa of Brabant? There was a long, breathless pause, but no one answered the call. Again the herald called out, Who will do battle for Elsa of Brabant? Then Elsa stretched out her arms and prayed heaven to send her the champion she sought, and this time the call was answered. A great shout arose from the people, and all eyes were turned towards the river, for there they saw, drawn by a beautiful white swan, a skiff approaching in which stood a splendid knight of glorious mane. He was clad entirely in dazzling silver armor, with a shining helmet upon his head, a gold horn at his side, and a flashing sword girt around his waist. And the beauty of his face and form, and the truth and purity that shone in his eyes, were so wondrous that everyone gazed upon him with speechless wonder. When the skip drew near to the shore, the knight sprang lightly to the bank, but facing the river once again, he uttered a few words of thanks, and farewell to the swan that brought him thither. I give thee thanks, my faithful swan. Turn thee again, and breast the tide. Return unto that land of dawn, where joyous we did long abide. Well, thy appointed task is done. Farewell, my trusty swan. The swan sailed away with the skiff in a stately manner, and when it had vanished out of sight, the knight turned towards the amazed company on the shore 
as elsa saw him approaching towards her she was filled with joy for she knew him at once to be the radiant knight of her dream and when he declared that he had come to fight for her cause she rapturously accepted him as her champion promising her hand as his reward should he gain the victory the knight of the swan next begged of her to promise that she would never ask him to tell her of his race and name or whence he came and elsa already loved him so dearly that she gladly gave this promise then the stranger drew his sword and the fight began and after one sharp conflict he fell telramund to the ground but generously spared his life ortrud shrieked with rage and dismay but the rest of the company uttered loud shouts of joy the king now declared that since heaven had given the victory to elsa's champion the royal maiden's innocence was proved and he commanded the people of brabant to obey elsa and her knight as their rulers so telramund and ortrud were stripped of all their power honours and riches and disgraced poor and wretched they were driven from the palace to wander in the streets as outcasts they could not however keep away from the scenes of their former splendour and on the night before elsa's marriage with the knight of the swan they came clad in coarse garments and crouched outside the walls of the palace the sounds of revelry that came from within made them feel more wretched still and Telramund began to reproach Ortrud bitterly for the trouble she had brought on them, both by her wicked spells and false words. But Ortrud answered, Listen to me, and we may yet overcome Elsa and her champion, and win back our power. Yonder knight of the swan bids the maiden never to ask his name and home. And why? Because if he becomes known, he must return whence he came. Let us then put doubt in Elsa's heart by telling her he gained this victory by sorcery, thus entice her to drag from him his secret. He is certainly helped by sorcery, and I have learned by my own arts that if but one drop of blood be spilt of him, to whom magic help is lent, all his powers will vanish. Do them, then, seek to wound this knight, and if I can also entice Elsa to ask his name and race all shall yet be well with us frederick of telramund eagerly agreed to ortrud's evil plans and whilst they were thus talking together elsa herself clad in flowing white garments appeared on the balcony above singing a glad song of thankfulness for the joy that was in her heart while she sang telramund crept quietly away and when the sweet song came to an end ortrud came forth from her hiding-place and called out elsa the royal maiden, who had thought herself quite alone, was surprised at hearing her name thus spoken, and when she recognized Ortrud in the square below, she was filled with pity at seeing her in such a sad plight. So when the wily Ortrud next began to relate her false story, declaring that she and her husband were under an evil spell when they accused her of having murdered her brother, and that they were now full of remorse and misery, Elsa's kind heart was touched and presently she came down into the square and took ortrud back into the palace with her promising that next morning she would intercede for the two outcasts with her champion knight on the morrow all in the palace were full of excitement and rejoicing for this was elsa's wedding day and great preparations had been made to celebrate it in fitting style elsa was delighted at the prospect of happiness before her but doubt of her brave champion was already springing up in her heart, planted there by Ortrud. 
A fear that she would lose her lover began to fill her with dread, for her cunning enemy did not fail to point out that one to whom magic aid was lent might at any moment vanish from her sight. When the bridal procession to the minister was formed, Ortrude, clad once more in gorgeous garments, was amongst the train of ladies. But as they drew near to the church, her haughty spirit could no longer bear that Elsa should go before her, and angrily she commanded the bride to stand back, declaring that she herself should lead, since she was the rightful ruler of Brabant. Elsa stopped, full of surprise as she remembered how humble Ortrud had been the night before, and the angry sorceress now challenged her to name her champion knight, and to say from whence he obtained his mystic power and strength. In the midst of this confusion, the king and his lords appeared on the scene with the bridegroom, and when the knight of the swan saw Elsa in conversation with the wicked Ortrud, he begged her not to be led to doubt him. As he spoke to her, Frederick of Telmarone sprang out from his hiding place close at hand, and before all the bridal party, accused Elsa's champion of having gained the victory over him by sorcery and evil spells, and called upon him to declare his name and place of bow if he would be regarded as a true knight. But the knight of the swan still refused to tell his secret, declaring that Elsa alone could compel him to speak, and he added that the king and princess must be satisfied with having seen his deed of valour, and how heaven had shown favour to him. The king and nobles now declared they were satisfied for him to remain unknown, and that they would always honour and stand by him for the deed he had done. Having failed with this shaft, Telramund crept around to Elsa and whispered to her the suggestion that she should allow him to wound her lover slightly, since, if but one drop of his blood could be spilled, he would lose his strange power and remain forever at her side. And he added that, that very night he would be near at hand to do the deed. But the knight of the swan came and drew Elsa quickly away, begging her to have no further doubt of him. And Elsa, gladly placing her hand in his, entered the minster with him, and the bridal procession followed. When the wedding ceremony was over, great revels were held in the palace, and ere these came to an end, Elsa and her husband were led to their bridal chamber by a splendid company of knights and ladies, who sang to them the following sweet marriage song. Faithful and true, we lead ye forth, where love triumphant shall crown ye with joy. Star of renown, flower of the earth, blessed be ye both, far from all life's annoy. Champion victorious, go thou before, mirth's noisy revel ye have forsaken. Tender delights for you now awaken. Fragnant abode enshrine ye in bliss. Splendor and state enjoy ye dismiss. Faithful and true we lead ye forth. When at last they were left alone, the knight of the swan clasped his beautiful wife in his arms, and the two rejoiced together in their happy love. But joyous though she was, the seeds of doubt and fear in Elsa's heart, planted there by Ortrud, were growing fast. And when these first blissful moments were past, she begged her husband to reveal to her his secret, declaring that she would guard it well. The knight of the swan begged her not to ask him, since all their happiness must thus come to an end, and he would be obliged to leave her. But Elsa declared that he was bound by a magic spell, and entreated him to tell her his secret, since she would not trust him, nor be sure that he would remain at her side. Sorrowfully. Her husband again implored her not to question him, but Elsa, 
now torn with fear of losing her beloved one, cried out wildly, What magic can I borrow to bind thy heart to me? A spell is cast around thee, by magic thou art here. In vain thou wouldst assure me. Declare thy race and name. At this moment, Telramon, with four of his companions, broke into the room with drawn swords, intending to kill, or at least to wound the stranger knight. But Elsa, quick to see the danger, handed her husband his sword, and with one blow of it, he fell Telramon to the ground, dead. The noise of the scuffle soon brought the lords and ladies of the court into the chamber, and the knight of the swan put the fainting Elsa into the charge of her maidens, declaring sadly that all their joy must now come to an end, for since she had demanded to be told his name and home, he must tell her, and his secret once known, he was compelled to depart. So, as soon as daylight came, and the sun rose in the sky, the king, with Elsa and her husband, and the nobles of Brabant, gathered together once more on the banks of the shell. The nobles, first of all, gave their promise to Henry the Fowler to fight for him as faithful vassals against the Hungarians. And then the Knight of the Swan stepped forward to make himself known to them, declaring that since Elsa had asked to know his secret, he could no longer keep it from her. He announced that he was a knight of the Holy Grail, and that so long as he remained unknown, he had wonderful powers of strength and might, and could overcome all evil. But once he became known to man, he was compelled to depart and return to the grail that sent him, for its champion knight must be guarded from all doubtings. He thus described the sacred relic, which he and other pure and stainless knights served so faithfully. In distant land, by ways remote and hidden, there stands a burg that men call Mont Salvar. It holds a shrine to the profane forbidden. More precious there is not on earth than that, and thorned light it holds a cup immortal, that whoso sees from earthly sin is cleansed. Twas borne by angels through the heavenly portal, its coming hath a holy rain commenced. Once every year a dove from heaven descendeth, to strengthen it anew for works of grace. Tis called the Grail, as the people remained lost in astonishment at this wondrous tale. The knight of the swan added, Now mark, craft or disguise, my soul disdaineth. The grail sent me to write yon lady's name. My father, Percival, gloriously reigneth. His knight am I, and Lohengrin, my name. As he spoke these words, a cry arose from the people. The swan! The swan! Behold, it comes! All eyes were turned towards the river, and there, in the distance, the skiff in which the champion knight had arrived, was seen once more approaching, drawn by the beautiful swan. All this time, Elsa had sat silent, pale and sad. But now she sprang up with a cry of grief, and clung to her husband with tears and entreaties. But Lohengrin gently unwound her clinging arms, and sadly said, Too long I stay. I must obey the grail. Oh, Elsa, think what joys thy doubts have ended. Couldst thou not have trust in me for one short year? Then thy dear brother, whom the grail defended, in life and honour thou hadst welcome here. If he returns, when our sweet ties are broken, this horn, this sword, and ring give him in token, this horn succour on battlefield shall send him, and with this sword he'll conquer every foe. This ring shall mind him who did most befriend him, of me, 
who saved thee from the depths of woe. He then embraced her tenderly, and bade her a gentle farewell. But as he moved towards the river bank, Ortrude pressed forward, and declared that the swan was in reality young Gottfried, the heir of Brabant, whom she had thus transformed by magic. And she added triumphantly to Elsa, that if she could have kept her champion knight by her side for one year, her brother would have been restored again. But Lohengrin heard these words, though they were not intended to reach him, and sinking on his knees, he prayed for power to overcome Ortrud's magic. His prayer was graciously answered, for as the people gazed in wonder, the fair white dove of the Holy Grail flew softly down and hovered over the skiff whilst Lohengrin quickly loosened the golden chain that bound the swan. Instantly the swan sank into the water, and presently there arose in its place the young prince, Gottfried, Elsa's brother. Lohengrin led the fair youth forward, declaring him to be the rightful ruler of Brabant. And then, as the nobles were receiving Gottfried with surprise and delight, the stranger knight stepped lightly into the skiff, and the white dove, seizing the chain, began to draw it along. Elsa, who had clasped Gottfried in her arms with great joy, now turned towards the river, and seeing Lohengrin standing up in the departing skiff, singing a last sad farewell to her, she uttered a cry of grief and despair, and sank senseless to the ground. Gottfried knelt in dismay beside her, and at that moment the champion knight of the Holy Grail vanished out of sight. End of section 43